streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's a Sooners Illustrated podcast, episode 48 on this Monday, January the 8th, 2024. Josh Calloway, James E. Jackson, Tom Green with you with Sooners Illustrated on the Oklahoma 24-7 Sports YouTube channel on a Monday. Guys, lots to get to. Oklahoma's hired a new D.C. They're staying hot in the transfer portal. Basketball keeps winning, both men and women. A lot to talk about uh, on a Monday, but we'll, we'll dive in. With the, the big news, I think, right now for Oklahoma football, uh, certainly in the last week or so. Tom and I, we hopped on, we did the reaction show last Thursday. Ted Roof, gone. They part ways. They didn't waste a lot of time finding his replacement. Haven't officially announced it yet. Would imagine it'll happen soon. But per our own Matt Zenitz and uh, various other outlets as well, Zach Alley, come on down. Going to be the next D.C. at Oklahoma. He's currently the D.C. at Jacksonville State. Very, very young. Some discrepancy on the age. Tom's pretty confident, 30 years old, so yeah. uh, one of the youngest coordinators, I mean, in the country, uh, certainly certainly at the level of Oklahoma, a major power five blue blood program, comes aboard for Oklahoma. Reaction. I mean, obviously, we'll break this down. We have a lot of time to try and digest what the hire will mean and what it will look like when we get to the season, but when this name popped up first for you guys, what was the thought? Because, you know, Tom, you and I did the reaction show. Allie was one of the names we brought up as a possibility, worked with Brent uh, Venables, obviously, at Clemson as a sports staffer and, and developed into a role beyond that for several years there uh, at Clemson. Got his own defense, Jacksonville State, did well this past year, and now he gets, obviously, a huge upgrade in job and promotion coming to Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised at all. Like you said, we mentioned him on our reaction podcast last Thursday. We had him on our hot board that lasted all of three hours before mm-hmm. uh, the news broke that you know yep. he was going to be the guy. Um, so he's very clearly someone that Brent Venables, you know, zeroed in on quickly. Like he got his guy, he went out and got him. No question about who else he wanted. It was Zach Alley. Um, you know, just a guy that's been on a very rapid rise. And, you know, he started out at Clemson as a as a student assistant. You know, his first job in 2011 was basically rearranging seats in the defensive meeting room for Kevin Steele, who himself is a very good and talented and storied defense coordinator currently at Alabama was at Auburn before that Tennessee yeah. to Miami. He's been all over the place, but then his last seven years there, he was, I had someone tell me th- described him as Brent Venable's right-hand man for seven years, basically as a student, um, you know, obviously 
not as involved as you know the on-field coaches and all that, but he is someone who basically Brent took under his wings for seven years there at Clemson, first as a student assistant, then as a graduate assistant. You know, he worked with defensive tackles, he worked with linebackers, and he's just someone that very quickly latched on to Brent Venables and knew what he wanted to do and is basically a Brent Venables disciple through and through. Um, you know, if you listen to, his, to him do an interview, his cadence, the way he talks, it yep. sounds like Brent Venables. He teaches the defense. He executes it. He runs it just like Brent Venables would. Um, as someone else who worked with him, you know, told me, it's not diluted. This is Brent Venables' defense. And, you know, he's had nobody else to kind of really uh, influence the way that he coaches defense. You know, he spent a couple of years at Boise State, but that was as a position coach, um, you know, at ULM hired 27 as the youngest defensive coordinator at the FBS level. Uh, Terry Bowden took a chance on him there because he wanted somebody to run what Brent Venables was running because he was a GA at Clemson yeah. you know, the prior two years. Um, you know, as a 60-something-year-old <laughs> graduate assistant, uh, he did, he worked some with Brent Venables that last year before he took the ULM job. Um, so he's just, he's just somebody that, you know, Brent Venables clearly trusts this guy uh, he's someone that I think that when, you know, he gets here, it's going to be, you know, Brent can take a little bit more hands-off approach. I still think he's, you know, obviously going to have his fingerprint on the defense. He's going to, you know, have the final say in things. But he's, some, you know, Zach Alley is someone that he can trust to teach it, to call it, to run it just like he wants to. So he doesn't have to be involved. He can be more focused on what it's going to take to be a head coach in the SEC and get this program competing for playoff spots. I mean, you said it, Tom. I, I, I know I didn't get to say my piece last time with the Ted Roof, you know, parting ways. I mean, I'm actually kind of saddened by that, Josh. I mean, it, it was a guy I was really building a relationship with over the last couple of weeks. I was like, he's going to be a really good source for me down the line. I was thinking that was going to be the case, but he's already out of there. So now I got to figure out a different situation for that on recruiting wise and things like that. So we'll, We'll look into that. But Zach Allen seems like the, the best guy for the situation. I know when Ted Roof, uh, you know, parted ways, that was one of the names I put on the board because we were all talking about it. It was like one of the guys that we should look after. And, I, and I, it looks like that's the case. I mean, it's not been hired, I mean, announced officially, but it looks like that's going to be the case is Zach Alley. And it just makes perfect sense because Brent Venables, you know, doesn't really want to be a defensive coordinator all the time anymore. He wants to be a head coach. You get somebody that thinks like you, somebody that you taught every situation, all the you know scenarios. You get somebody like that on your side. It just it just makes perfect sense. I mean, the age doesn't matter at all in the situation, as you know y'all y'all pointed out. Brent Venables was just the same, about the same age when he got to OU last, when he first got to OU. Yep. So, I mean, it all just points to good signs for OU. They got somebody that Brent Venables knows he's going to run it the way I want him to run it. He's going to be a, you know my, my guy. I can do it the exact. I can just focus on head coaching things. I can focus on the referees and things like that during the game and worry about the situation as my coordinators get you know used to calling plays and things like that. So it's a good situation all around, and that's pretty much what it is now. Yeah, a, a quick thing on the age thing, because I know that there was a lot of discussion whether he's 29 <laughs> or 30. I'm, I'm like 99% confident that he is 30 years old because when he was hired at ULM in January of 2020. You were on it, yeah. He was 27. Um I saw a tweet from Jacksonville State, I think, last April, wishing him a happy birthday. So three years later, he's, he's 30, in, or he'll be 31 in April. 
Um, sure. He's, he's 30 right now. Journalism. I, right I had no idea we were, we were doing a, 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 a hunt for the for the birthday. I didn't know that. So, there's, there's a lot of questions about it because, you know, there's some reports <laughs> that he was 29, some that he was 30. Either way, you know, he's a guy who's a clearly a very bright mind. You know, he was on the 24-7 sports 30 under 30 list a few years ago when he when he was 27. Um, and <clears throat> look, he's got three years of experience as a defense coordinator already at, you know, group of five programs. He's done really well in, the, in, in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he got to ULM, it was a total rebuild. You know, that's why you hire, a, you know, a coach that's been around like Terry Bowden at that point in his career. It's a guy that's going to be there and try to help rebuild programs like he tried to do at Akron, like he, you know, did at Sanford before that, stuff like that. But, you know, he, he had a really good impact on that ULM defense that first year. They improved in, I think, 11 of 14 key defensive stats. Rich Rodriguez, who was the offense coordinator at ULM that year, gets the Jacksonville State job. He brings Zach Alley with him. And, you know, that was a program that was transitioning from FCS to FBS. And you look at what they did this year. I think they went 9-4, and four, you know, made a bowl game, you know, in their second year with Zach Alley, they finished 33rd in scoring defense, allowing just 21.2 points per game, 8th in the country in turnovers forced, 25, 12th in yards per play allowed, uh, 4.82 yards, uh, 22nd in the country in third down efficiency, you know, holding opponents below 33%, yeah. and 35th in red zone touchdown rate, you know, giving up touchdowns on 55% of, the, of trips inside the 20. I don't care how tough that schedule is obviously it's not going to be super tough because you know you're Jacksonville State you're playing in the Conference USA you're going to face a lot of you know lower tier teams so to speak those are impressive numbers and yeah. Zach Alley did a really good job calling that defense um clear, like I said clearly a bright young mind I was I was crunching some of the kind of advanced numbers because look we, we we know Brent Venables likes to blitz that's kind of been his calling card you know through his career he'll, he'll send anybody at any time basically mm-hmm. Jacksonville State this past year, you know, their blitz rate, they blitzed on 44% of opponent dropbacks. Um, opponents completed 57% of those passes for 1,027 yards, five touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Um, they got, pre- you know, Jacksonville State got pressure on 51% of those blitzes uh, with 20, 22 sacks, which was about 11% rate. Yeah. And if you guys remember late in the season, you know, we asked Brent Venables about you know, Oklahoma sack numbers, you know, because a lot of teams are trying to get the ball out quicker. And he said, you know, in the NFL, a sack rate of about 10% when a, <clears throat> when the quarterback's getting rid of the ball in two and a half seconds or less is really good. So 11% sack rate is pretty solid for what Jacksonville State was doing. Just to give you an idea of kind of how Zach Alley likes to attack an offense from a defensive yeah. perspective. Yeah. And, and you got to think. Jacksonville, advanced metrics, advanced analytics, things like that. Love what Jacksonville State was doing uh, last year. And, you know, I will say real quick, too, and we'll turn over to you, James, that, you know, I'm sure there's been a little, and I've seen a little bit of it, the sentiment of, does Oklahoma need to go hire a guy from Jacksonville State? You know, bringing a guy up from, you know, a program that was FCS, like Tom said, recently, one year in FBS, I'm reminded, and it may be not a comparison that people want to hear, but I'm reminded of 2015, Oklahoma needed an offensive coordinator, and they hired this guy from East Carolina, and people had were like, East Carolina? And that guy's Lincoln Riley, and they had explosive offenses, and it it worked out just fine. Um, Not of apples to apples, but 
you can find guys just because they're at a lower level doesn't mean it's not going to rise up and, and work out just the same. So, yeah, as I had someone tell me, no matter what age you are, no matter what school you're at, if you can coach, you can coach. That's what matters. Right. And Zach Alley can clearly coach, and Brent Venables believes he can coach and is going to trust him with that with running that defense. Um, yeah. And as you said, with the with the age thing, I also want to point out, I mean, it's not 100 percent certain, but you would expect a guy that's 30 years old to kind of relate to the recruits a little bit better than an sure. older guy. So, I mean, that, sure. I can feel like it's going to help in that area as well when you when you go and try to get guys from you know different states, and things like that, somebody that can relate to the, the guys really well. So that's that could be an advantage here. His age. It could be an advantage. Yeah. No, I, I like the hire. Uh, I, <laughs> I approve. Um I think it's going to, I mean, Brent Vettel, we talked about it on Thursday, uh, Tom and I, on the reaction show. Brent Venables needs a guy to take some of the load off him. He needs his Dan Lanning to Kirby Smart, or Kirby Smart was for Nick Saban. He needs that. Zach Alley could be that. And I'm not saying he's, he's Kirby Smart or Dan Lanning, but he could be. You know, he could be. You know, And I think that, that this fits that mold a little bit. And one of the missing pieces of Oklahoma to get to that next level, it felt to me at least, was kind of that – DC who can really elevate and help Brent Venables and get that group to the next level. Ted Roof was not that really. He did his he did what he was expected to do for two years, and now you're trying to get to that next step. And I think Zach Alley can certainly help you get there. And like Tom said, I mean, looking at old interviews and uh, I found that Yul Monroe practice video of him working is like that. That is exactly what Brent Venables is like. Even like the mannerisms and it's kind of freaky almost. Like he feels like he could be his son or something. It's yeah. It's pretty dead on, and you can see why Venables likes him, and you can see why Ali is uh, looks up to him because they're very similar in the way they interact. I look forward to getting to talk to him for the first time whenever that does happen. Obviously, they haven't announced it officially yet. Would expect that very soon. It could happen as soon as today. It could be before we, we even get this show off. It could happen. Um, but it, 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 I look forward to getting to learn more about him as we go because he is a young guy and it'll be a breath of fresh air. And this whole staff is pretty young. And, you know, in general, and Brent Venables is just recreating Clemson, which is not a bad thing to do. I mean, you have all these guys. I mean, Bates, Chavis, now obviously Ali, Ted Roof previously, James Skalski. I mean, he's just remaking Clemson. And obviously Clemson won multiple national titles, beat Alabama a couple times. So not a bad thing to try and recreate. Yeah, uh, just one other thing. Again, people are going to be like, oh, you know, he's only 30 years old. You know, what, is, what has he done? You know, he's been a defense coordinator at the FBS level for three years. And it's important to note, it's not like he was a defensive coordinator for a head coach that was a defensive-minded head coach. Like, like he is mm -hmm. about to be with Brent. You know, Terry Bowden was a long-time offensive-minded coach. Rich Rodriguez, obviously an offensive guy. These are guys that gave him just free reign of the defense. And look at what he did with those opportunities. 100%. 100%. I like it. We'll see. Time will tell. Um but it feels like a good hire, at least on paper, for Oklahoma. And uh, like like we kind of said right at the top of this, clearly Brent Venables had a guy in mind. He knew what he wanted. Um, I assume with the, how quickly the report <clears throat> came out from, from our own Matt Zenitz, you feel like Oklahoma probably had established this was who, where we're going before they even made the move officially with Roof, obviously. So um, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And we'll have a lot of time to look into it and figure out what to expect. But Zach Allen, it looks like he's going to be the new D.C., uh, at Oklahoma next year. All right, shifting over to transfer portal. Oklahoma's been on a heater since last week's uh, show. Last time uh, Tom and I talked on Thursday or the show that I did with Colin earlier in the day, Oklahoma has picked up three commits in the transfer portal. Could be more uh, as soon as today as well. But we'll hit each of the three here. Starting, we'll just go chronological order. Oklahoma's got a kicker. 
Uh, Tyler Keltner from Florida State committed last week. Didn't really kick there. Had one season there. They didn't really use him. He was the guy at East Tennessee State for four years before that. The most simple way I can put it, his numbers in terms of just pure, just straight up percentages are a little bit better than Zach Schmidt. Not a ton better, a little better. I think it's like 75% to 71. But he has a much bigger leg. He's made multiple kicks of over 50 yards. Zach Schmidt just simply could can't do that. Or at least he hasn't to this point. So I don't know if he's going to be the guy or not, but he's another option. You have Gavin Marshall. You have Liam Evans. Schmidt is still on the team. So you have several guys. You have a competition. You see where it falls. But at the very least, they have another option here uh, with Tyler Keltner, the guy from the kid from Florida State. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing there is that they're giving themselves options. Um, yeah. You know, they, they didn't have that this year, even when Zach Schmidt struggled. Obviously, Gavin Marshall dealt with some injuries. Um, <clears throat> you know, Liam Evans just signed. Um, so they're going to have a competition. And when you have kicking issues and you know, you, you're, you're not confident that you are bringing in like one of the top kickers in the country necessarily – the best you can do is give yourself options and, you know, let it play out in the mm-hmm. offseason, see who's going to be that guy. Um, and obviously Tyler Keltner's guy that's got lots of experience was, was at Eastern Tennessee state. Now he's, you know, spent the last season at Florida state, even though he, you know, didn't get many opportunities, but he's a guy that's experienced and has proven that he is able to kick. I think he's what 75, 76% career kicker. So oh he's got you know, solid, solid, decent numbers. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but it, at least it's adding more competition to that room because they need to, they need to be better there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole point. It's just getting more competition in the room, getting more guys in there, getting, be able to work off of each other and just, just have a better overall special teams unit. I mean, that's the case. I don't, I don't think we pointed out that they got Seth Freeman on a podcast yet. The number yeah. one long snapper. Yeah. I mean, it's something that can go under the rug. Cause not a lot of people pay attention to that, but. Oh, you getting a guy like that from the in, from in state, this number one long snapper in the country, uh, to go along with Liam Evans, who is his teammate already, number seven kicker in the country. I mean, there's there's a lot of things they're trying to bring in and really help out this special teams unit. I mean, they, it didn't go as well as they wanted it to this year, and so it just makes sense. Bring in more guys, bring in experienced guys, bring in highly talented guys to come in and all work together and figure this thing out. And you'll find your guy by the time the season starts. I'm sure of who's going to be a best kicker. And I think it'll look a lot better mm-hmm. next year. Yeah, and, you know, not for nothing, too, but, I mean, Keltner, like we said, four years East Tennessee State, one at Florida State. So he's going to be a 60-year guy. He's got one year of eligibility mm-hmm. remaining. You assume, maybe incorrectly, I don't know, you know what happens when you assume, I guess, but he's got one year left. He's probably going somewhere where he feels like he can win the job or he's been told that he's got a very real chance to win the job. You know, he's got one year left trying to do enough to maybe get an NFL tryout at the next level or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep that in mind too. And, um, I would, if you're making me handicap it, probably he's the favorite to, to be the kicker next year. It's really, it feels pretty wide open. Um, but we'll see, like we said a couple times there, another broke, option at the very least, you needed a kicker. You went and got one. He broke a lot of records in East Tennessee. So he, I mean, he, he, he does have, he has a, a bigger leg set, and he has yeah. a bigger leg. Yes. He didn't really get a lot of opportunities at Florida state. I think he only got to kick one time at an extra point. So it wasn't a lot to to go off of at Florida State. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is he is a talented guy. So we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm not really sure who I would <laughs> give the kicker uh, who's going to be the kicker the just favorite? just yet. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like Liam Evans just because yeah. I've known the guy for so long. I mean, it's one of those situations where I've built a relationship with him already. So I don't know off the top of my head who's going to be it. 
Yeah, I don't know who it's going to be either, but if you were to you know give me odds on Zach Schmidt versus the field, I'm taking the field. <laughs> yeah, for you sure. Know, I don't think Oklahoma can go into 2024 with Zach Schmidt as its kicker after you know the struggles the last two years. So, I mean, like if he ends up being the best guy, he ends up being the best the best option for them. But again, they're giving them they're giving themselves options. You know, they're, they're going to find somebody to to step up into that role. Yeah, been a weak spot on Venables last couple of years. <clears throat> Trying to shore that up. Maybe Tyler Keltner is the answer. Time will tell. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Elsewhere in the portal, Caden Wooler, Miami of Ohio, defensive end, comes aboard. Uh, this is a guy that we talked about a couple times. Colin had said, you know, keep an eye on this one. He came to town, he visited, liked what he saw, boom, committed to Oklahoma. Um, over the weekend there at the tail end of the last week. That was on that Thursday, which just had a million things happen. All the Ted Roof, Zach Alley stuff happened the same day that Keltner committed and Caden Woolard committed. He was really good in Miami, Ohio. 41 total tackles last year, 12 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, which you're going to like that. Like Tom kind of referenced earlier, the sack numbers were not where Oklahoma wanted. There's more to it than just literally counting the number of sacks, obviously, but you also still want sacks. Let's not pretend like you don't want sacks and create big negative plays. Ken Willard is good at that. You figure Ethan Downs is back. He's going to start. Trace Ford is presumably back. Hasn't announced anything officially. I would anticipate personally that he is back. And you got Cade Willard, P.J. Adebore, the guys you're bringing in, obviously from the freshman class, Koye, Gilmore. Another <clears throat> option here, I feel like at the very least, Cade Willard is going to be a pretty heavy rotation guy. I mean, I this is a guy who's going to play for you, uh, I think, right away next year. Is that where you guys kind of fall on it? This seems like a nice ad for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to be the starter opposite of right, right now, but at, like you said, at the very least, he, he's going to give you an experienced rotational piece, kind of like some of these other defensive linemen they brought in last year. Um, obviously, you know, like interior guys like Dejon Terry and and uh, Jacob Lacey and, you know, like you said, Trace Ford. Those are all guys that came in and contributed immediately after playing at a 
you know, FBS school before that. And I, I think that's what you're getting in Caden Willard. You know, he led the Mac in sacks with nine and a half. Like you said, he was sixth in tackles for loss. And this is a guy that, well, that, you know, Oklahoma was, you know, going after Purdue edge rusher Nick Scowerton. And, you know, he yeah, was one of the right. best available guys. But as soon as he came off the board, you know, Oklahoma zeroed in on Caden Willard and, and got it done. They did not waste any time on that. Um, you know, obviously he was he was visiting last week and they, you know, took care of business as quick as they could. Um, and now they're addressed a spot of need. Um, that, that's just what they've been doing in the portal, um, supplementing the roster and filling some key needs. It just makes me feel more comfortable about this defensive line. And I already I was already really high on them. I mean, you bring a guy like this in and it, you kind of see in a similar formula here. I mean, they're bringing an experienced guy to go with high talented guys that are that are on that defensive line. And as we talked about over time, it, you know, building to a national championship team, it takes, you know, steps to get there. This is one of those things, I think. You're going to have a guy that can help coach a little bit, these guys, show them the right way to do things. And then your high, talented guys are going to be really, really good in two two years from now. I mean, that's that's really what it is right now. Yeah. So bringing him in, it helps you in the moment as well because we talked about his sack numbers, you know, what he did last year, his former school. A lot of things are, are working well for him. So just bringing, this, bringing all this together, I mean, OU's on the right path. This is the way you build it. I mean, we, we're seeing it right now over time. And, and this... This could be the one to help him out a lot. So I really like the I really like the move. I really like it. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll see where he uh, fits into the fold um, down the road. Tom, you have something else? Yeah, I was just gonna say on top of the sack numbers and the tackles for loss. I mean, he had 58 total pressures in you know 12, 13 games last year. So he's been effective at, at getting in the backfield and you know at at the very least you know impacting the quarterback. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see where he fits in. Another addition, they stayed hot, Michael Tarquin, USC offensive tackle. Uh, obviously, offensive line has been a big talking point for, mm -hmm. for fans last month or so, trying to remake this thing. It's the third portal addition they've made now on the offensive line. Spencer Brown, obviously, way back, the, they started this whole thing from Michigan State, the Betchy Nawewu from North Texas, and now Michael Tarquin from USC. Made seven starts last year for the Trojans, was then benched. Uh, was a guy they used at Florida for four years. So he's a, a veteran guy, played several years at Florida, last year USC. So he's a one-year guy, plug and play, you're hoping, next season for Oklahoma. The spin zone here, if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're looking at this saying, this guy got benched, right, after seven games at USC last year. The spin zone here is that he was much better at Florida, and that can be written off maybe if you want, as an OU fan, to – the way USC utilized him, they had him lose some weight, you know, different strength and conditioning program, well-documented with Benny Wiley than what he'll have at Oklahoma with Jerry Schmidt. He'll be a totally different guy. So it's almost like you, how much stock you even put on it because they're going to totally remake his body um, here at Oklahoma over the over now, the winter workouts and in the spring. But it feels like, you know, a potential option. I mean, you, you, you figure if Brown and Sexton are your tackles, he can be a reserve rotation option, or maybe you could look at moving him inside. He hasn't really done that, but that's where you need help more than anything. But kind of going back to what we talked about with Kelton earlier, more options uh, for Oklahoma here with, with adding Michael Tarquin in. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw them do this kind of last year. Um, you know, guys like Caleb Schaefer, you know, experienced starters who came in just to provide depth. And that's what, that's what you need right now, um, given all the pieces that you're losing along the offensive line. Um, you know, They've obviously got a couple other guys, like you said, um, <clears throat> you know, bringing in a couple of, you know, really good freshmen that might be able to compete uh, pretty early on. 
Um, but yeah, they, they just need guys up front. And the fact that he's got a lot of experience is great. Like, you know, people are going to look at what happened at USC last year. But I mean, <clears throat> until that last game of the year, you know, he only gave up one sack. Um, he gave up two against uh, UCLA, but he had a 95.7% pass blocking efficiency. So he, right. he was pretty good in pass protection. Um, and obviously you're going to need that with a, you know, first time, you know, first year starter, a quarterback, you want to keep him safe. Um, again, again, I think this is just another, you know, not a wow pickup, but a solid one that is going to provide you depth and options along that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you guys have covered it. I mean, it's not much else to say about it. I mean, it's just what it is. Guy's going to be a, a, a rotational piece, I think, for this offensive line. We, we didn't see a very structured five guys starting every game last year. I think it could be a little bit similar depending on situations and things like that. So he should get some playing time here and there. But I think he's just a rotational piece at the moment. I mean, it, it's a good pickup, though. Yeah. I mean, if he comes in here and he wins a job, great. Mm-hmm. You know, great. If he goes out and takes a job. So we'll see uh, kind of the same thing as Woolard, where he fits in. But feels like not a bad ad, and you need more offensive linemen, and they may not be done here. They're still chasing some other ones, some big names. Yeah, going up the hurt, man. They got it. Going yeah. Um, yeah. So they may not be done as far as offensive line goes. Um, as far as the portal goes in general, um, probably winding down. Still some names to keep an eye on. You know, Colin and I talked last Thursday about Jake Roberts from Baylor. He visited uh, last week. Um, feel like Oklahoma's probably in pretty good shape there. The Latrell connection, going back to North Texas, Keep an eye on that. Be sure to stay plugged in. Oklahoma247sports.com. We'll let you know whenever he makes that decision. Uh, again, we think that's in good shape for Oklahoma. And then, yeah, there's still chasing some other big names out there. And so you become a VIP subscriber to make sure you're on top of all that because uh, Colin's crushing it in the portal right now. So that's it for Transfer Portal. Uh, they stayed hot. It was a heater week, weekend, tail end of last week into the weekend. Three commits uh, since last Thursday. And uh, like we said, maybe more to come. So, Wrapping up the show with some hoops. Um, Tom and I were full in Mobile Center on Saturday for the Big 12 opener. Big game. It was basically full in there. A lot of intensity and, and kind of spotlight on that team against Iowa State because obviously football's over. So a lot of people are just kind of – that's where they kind of shift over to hoops. Like, okay, let's see what this team is about a little bit. And it was a big game. It was a hard-fought game against Iowa State. But Oklahoma found a way to get it done, 71-63. Sooners are 1-0 in Big 12 play. It's a game you had to have. Iowa State is really good, but in the Big 12, you just you have to win your home games. You have to. Uh, the conference is just too tough to not. And they did just that, got up on the right foot. Um, Sam Godwin was a monster. J.B. McCollum was really good again. Team effort overall. Tom, you and I were there. This is a really good win for Oklahoma, and they needed this to get up on the right foot in Big 12 play. The schedule this week is daunting, so to get 1-0, it felt really important. It really as as important as an early January game could could feel, honestly. Yeah, I mean, look on, on paper, this is the best resume building win for Oklahoma yeah, so right. far this season. Um, you know, Iowa State entered with one of the best defenses in the country. You know, they were number nine in net rankings, so this is a quad one win for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they dropped to number twelve after Oklahoma beat them. So Oklahoma's a top twenty team in net right now. Uh, they just moved up to number nine in the AP poll, second time in the top 10 this week. So they're going to have a top 10 match with Kansas on Saturday. Uh, that's obviously going to be their, you know, toughest test of the season. But before that, you know, going down to TCU, which is another quad one opportunity. So yeah, Big 12 play is going to be a gauntlet. It's going to be a grind. It's a, it's a deep, talented conference. Um, you're going to have a lot of, you know, NCAA tournament resume 
building opportunities over these next couple months. Um, but I was impressed with what we saw from them Saturday night. You know, they didn't trail until the final, you know, five minutes of the game. And even then they only trailed by one a couple times. I got it. Right it was yeah. there. But, you know, unlike what we saw last season where they kind of crumbled down the stretch of some games, you know, I think they were two and five in, you know, two possession games in Big 12 play. They came through uh, down those mm-hmm. final four minutes. Um, JVN McCollum, again, you know, he's been such a great scorer for them this year. And again, he led the team in scoring with 15 um, the other night. But then when it mattered, you know, Iowa State was kind of zeroing in on him. And he became a distributor. He got three straight assists, two to Sam Godwin, one to Latre Dardard. Key 7-0 run that really was the difference maker in this game. And then they made their free throws down the stretch. Um, and I know that that's been an issue in some of these other games, like the UNC game. They didn't shoot great from the free throw line. But, yeah. you know, the way that they grinded that game out and showed resolve down the stretch, um, you know, like Los Uzan said, you know, it's a big jump for this team from where they were a year ago. I mean, that's an understatement. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a, yeah. a very different team. I mean, they're they're in the midst of being, you know, one of the top teams in the country. I mean, they're what number nine? Now is that just came out? Number nine. Yeah, so nine. I mean, there's only one other unbeaten team. So I mean, there's only one unbeaten team, and OU has one loss. So it's just they're really, really good. I mean, it's just no other thing to say. From the outside looking in, I see a lot of Josh's videos. I see the LNC. The LNC is looking really, really good. A lot of people are there, which is exciting. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what OU has wanted since they hired Porter Mosier. Getting a guy like that who who had a lot of success in, in March Madness at a smaller program, getting a guy like him, getting the guys he wants to come in and, and play this well, this is exactly what everybody wanted. So, I mean, this is this is outstanding. This is outstanding. I think a lot of OU, a lot more OU fans should pay attention to what's going on because this team really does have a chance come March. Really, they really do. I, I love the depth. The depth, you know, something we've talked about before, but it was on display in in this game because Ortega Owa, who was their highest scorer coming in, didn't hit a field, didn't hit a shot. Oh, from the field in this game, he was in foul trouble. Now he got to the line a few times. He got some points. He contributed. Don't get me wrong, but they the fact they overcame that. And with bench guys, Rivaldo Suarez was great off the bench. He was crashing the glass everywhere. He was an animal. And then Latre Darthard, who's been kind of you're waiting for him to kind of break out, hits three big threes in this game. Um, a couple of them were like at really key moments in the second half. Lo Suzan was great. Like I said, Sam Godwin is just he is so much fun because he <laughs> has no he can't really shoot it. He's not gonna like put on the floor. He he doesn't have like these skills that pop off, but he just works his tail off he just will not be denied that was a walk-on <clears throat> last year walk-on which is crazy because he's their starting five and he's been great this year hugely off the bench they just they have so much more depth than they've had by a, a wide margin you know it's such a cliche that you know porter says the eight starters thing but it, it, it's really kind of true i mean at the end of the game three starters were on the bench for a lot of it with jalen moore otega oa and then i can't remember who else was sitting a lot in the toward the end of the game because Suarez was out there, Hughley was out there, and you know they were all just playing really well. Um, it's been fun to watch. They got a fun team and big week ahead at TCU on Wednesday, and then at Kansas on Saturday. Kansas number three in the AP polls. That's a top ten matchup in Lawrence this weekend. Tom and I are planning to get up there. Hopefully, if things uh, fall the right way, I'd like to get up there. OU's last trip to the Fog haven't won there in about a thousand years, so maybe Oklahoma can uh, end the drought on Saturday. Should be a, a fun one. Big week that for OU. That's a big win on Saturday there. So, um, James, can you explain to me the women's team at all? Because they're <laughs> very strange. Um, they ended non-conference play mm-hmm. with that loss to Southern. 
which was just awful. I mean, mm. there's just no spinning it. And they're 3-0 in Big 12. They won on Saturday um, in Cincinnati. They're 3-0 and to start Big 12 play. Jane Bronchek, man. Mm-hmm. Never count them out, I guess. I mean, the, the case was, I mean, the first two losses in that non-conference, that, that really, you know, made a turn for the worst. I think they only won one of five, one of six, the last, you know, six games of that non-conference yeah. schedule. Th- those those two were really, I mean, there's really good losses because they were to ranked teams. And a, a couple other ones were teams that be, became to be ranked in the poll and things like that. So they weren't just like awful losses. There was there was one or two in there that were really bad. But other than Until that, Southern. yeah, yeah there, there were a lot of awful losses. And then the Big 12 schedule, I think it worked out in their favor because of they're getting the newcomers to the conference first. That's who they were getting the, the first three games. And mm-hmm. they're all like they're all nine, I think, you know, in, in, you know, throughout the season. So they're just not very good. And so all you can kind of like use that to get their rhythm back, get back to what they were get back in the win column. I and mean, that's what they've done. They're 3-0 now, and now they have to head to Kansas State, who will be their b- really big test. I mean, number I think they're number 11 in the country. They may have moved since the last time I saw the poll rankings, but yeah. Kansas State is really, really good, and that's that's where we're going to really see. I mean, where is this OU team at? I mean, are they where we thought they were at the beginning of the year when they had that 6-0 run to start the season, or are they kind of like falling apart a little bit here? So what, that's, that's going to be the most fun thing. How are they going to handle Kansas State? For sure. No, that's a big test coming up later this week. And, uh, yeah, you know, just when you kind of thought, like, okay, it might be a, a rough year, 3-0, big yep. play. We'll see where yep. they go from there. Like you said, the schedule's been friendly, but, you know, after that Southern game, we, you know, it kind of felt like, oh, boy. <laughs> um, but three, three straight wins, so there you yep. go. Yep. We'll see where they go from there. All right, I think that's it for now. We'll be back on Thursday. Get Colin Kennedy in here for uh, a lot more recruiting talk, transfer portal, stuff like that. As we move through January, like we said, OU hoops, both teams playing well. Big 12 play is, is off and running, so be sure to dive into that while both teams cover James on the women's side, Tom on the men's side, uh, me as well. And like I said, we're maybe going to get to Lawrence on Saturday. That'll be wild if we do, uh, Oklahoma and Kansas up there at Fox. Big week of hoops ahead here on uh, Sooners Illustrated. Football never also, stops, and basketball's in there as well now. Also, shout-out to Sahara Williams for her you know, career day, 18 yeah. points. A freshman post. I mean, she's not a, not player. a player you want to watch. I mean, she's she's on the come up. So good good game from her in that last game that they, they when they won there. Yeah, hundred percent on the come up. Got some young players. It's a bit of a rebuild. A lot of their players were there before that you recognize. They moved on. Their careers are over. Mm-hmm. But there's they got a, they got things building. They're not going to be down for a long. They're not even that down with three zero. But they're not. They'll be back. <laughs> Yeah, you know, to that high ranking stuff uh, before too long. Jane Bronchek yeah. knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Like I said, we'll be back on Thursday. Soon as Little Spread Podcast catches then. For Tom Green, James E. Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Thursday right back here on the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. See you.